Hey guys, a little bit of an extraordinary intro before the intro in this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. Just want to let you guys know a little heads up. We had some technical difficulties with uh, with this episode, particularly some of the audio recording. Uh, we had a little crackle in the audio. Uh, these sorts of things happen from time to time. They don't happen too frequently, which is good. Uh, but when we're trying to record the audio and the video and put the clips together, and there's a whole bunch of moving pieces that go into producing each and every episode of this podcast. What we would normally do in the past is we'd actually um, just scrap the episode and re-record, but with the format of uh, your four and the the conversational flow between Caleb and myself, uh, re-recording uh, doesn't really work because we lose a lot of the uh, the intricacy of discussion that we have on an initial recording. So what we've decided to do is we've cleaned up uh, Caleb's audio as best we can in this episode. Uh, it is it kind of does sound like he's recording with a mask on. He didn't have a mask on during the recording, but just so you guys know what to expect in this episode. Uh, but the content is is so good. Uh, you're going to get a lot of value out of it, which is why we decided to, uh, rather than re-record, uh, to, to roll with the original audio uh, fixed up as best we could. So I hope you guys enjoy. Let's get to it. Let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me. My time is now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back. To the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Metzel. I am your host, coming at you guys with an all-new episode of Your Four, featuring the one, the only, Caleb. Hey, man. How you doing? What's up, man? Oh, you know... Living life, loving it, and it just gets getting better. You better. are loving life at the moment. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. It's good to see you like radiating positive energy. Oh, thanks, man. It's thanks, good man. shit, man. Happy to have you back for another episode of Your Four. I believe this is um, installment number nine. It is. Yeah. Number nine, our ninth, uh, ninth collab with four amazing questions. Um, let me tell you, these questions are, uh, are, are causing me to do a bunch of internal thinking. Yeah, look, man. <laughs> They're causing I'm, me to do some deep digging. I love it because some of these questions that I've been looking at, I was like, man, this is stuff that I'm walking through right now. And, and sometimes you put it off a little bit. And now I'm like, well, i got no choice. i got to dive deep into these questions. That's and right. So, you know, thanks, guys, because you guys are helping me along the journey here. <laughs> yeah, 100%, guys. Keep the questions coming. If you have a question that you would like Caleb and I to take a deep dive into uh, in uh, a future episode of Your Four, two ways you can send them through. The first way is to send me personally personally a DM at Joseph Mensel on Instagram. You can just dump your question in there and I will um, copy and paste it and send it to Caleb. Uh, the second thing you can do, probably the more efficient route, is to send it directly to Caleb uh, on Instagram once again at Caleb, C-A-L-E-B dot figure F-I-E-G-E-R-T. You got it. Yep. Uh, and you can just dump a question in there. And Caleb is the man who collates them. So he picks the four best questions um, for each episode. And we try and get, you know, a little bit of personal development, a little bit of business, occasionally some fitness in there, some relationships questions. So he is the man that, uh, that prepares uh, each and every one of these episodes. But guys, uh, we do have space for some more questions. We always do. Always. Um, so make sure that, uh, that if you've got something that you have on your mind that uh, you'd like us to discuss, 
feel free to, to drop it to myself or Caleb. And remember uh, that we keep all questions anonymous as well. So, um, you know, you've got no, if you're, you're hesitating because you're like, oh, I don't want my name attached to that question. That's a little bit of a vulnerable position for me to be in. Don't stress. We, uh, you never know who's asking the questions. You just know who's answering them, uh, Caleb and myself. Yeah, beautiful. Caleb, let's, let's go, man. Question yeah, number right. one. Question number one. I went from my lowest point in my life doing sales, living in a job I didn't want to do, failing in a business due to a relationship breakdown, which this person states is all on them, to nearly losing my home. Now I'm the best husband I can be, setting up my own business and personal training and earning fairly decent money. However, I'm now overrun with clients that I can't say no to. So I'm working 5am to 8pm, four to five days a week. I don't want to go back to a ruined relationship, but I struggle to say no to people, mainly for helping them and the financial reward of it as I've been close to losing it all. What should I do? First and foremost, uh, huge congratulations to, to this person um, because going through the lowest point in your life, um, you know, a lot of people live there. A lot of people never are able to kind of pick themselves up and bounce back, uh, you know, and get themselves into new relationships and new businesses and and just get back to living life um, as their best selves. So, you know, I just want to acknowledge that uh, first and foremost is a huge congratulations to this person because it's fucking good to see, man. It's good to see people turn their lives around. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many directions we can go with this, oh, right? For sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. Um, I'm going to keep it strictly business, right? Okay. Because yep. I can, I can, uh, and I think that's initially where my mind goes because I can speak to this um, a lot through what I do with uh, my personal mentoring. I mentor a number of different clients that are in this exact situation with a personal training or a coaching business where the limitation is, look, I've only got so many hours that I can work. I have more work than I know what to do with. I have these inquiries coming in. I want people want to hire me as their, as their trainer, as their coach, and I'm just at my capacity. But I can't say no. <laughs> because I want to help people. And of course, the financial reward is there, you know, but it's starting to chew into the other areas of my life that are important to me, whether it's the relationship with my significant other, whether it's my own health and fitness, whether it's uh, time with my friends and family, you know, I'm at this point where it's like the, something has to give. So from a purely business perspective, uh, what should you do? You can scale out your business. And what that actually means is starting to build a business around your, in this particular situation, it's the personal training business, starting to build a business around that name, right? So that you are the face of the business, you are the person driving the business, but you've got trainers who work underneath you so that you increase the amount of capacity you have to take on new clientele and you can actually build a business out that allows you to continue to grow your business while not maxing out all of your time so that you've got time to go and do other things that are important to you. Um, in terms of the, the actual practical and strategic way to do that, uh, you know, that's what I do in my personal mentoring. And it's, it's you know, uh, I mean, I could speak for hours on, on how you do it, but it's kind of difficult to give exact advice without knowing exactly how this personal training business is set up. But it's just some food for thought at this point in time is to go, you know what, you can actually scale your business out here. You can actually start hiring people underneath you. You can start building a real business 
underneath your your personal training uh, name. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. You touch business. I guess I want to touch a little bit even relationally yeah. uh, and, and looking at things like intentionality. Um, but I also, like as you said, no, not just congratulate this person, want to commend this person for taking a great level of accountability. Mm-hmm. Also acknowledging, you know, that there was a part to play in that relationship breakdown. Yeah. But I also want to encourage them because, you know, I can speak from experience here where I have been through some relationship breakdowns myself. And even though they feel like it's all on them, I want them to feel as if they know that we are in a relationship. It actually comes down to two parties and that the fault is never just on one person, that we both have a part to play. And I think that would bring about, you know, for me, it brought about quite a lot of freedom because for a long time, you know, I believed that it was just on me. Even the other party believed it was just on me. And I turned around and acknowledged that, no, we both have a part to play and was able to move on into greater things from there. Mm Now, in terms of talking about intentionality, I guess like noticing here, this person works 5 a.m. to 8 p.m., four to five days a week. Now, you said, yeah, we could scale down those, um, you know, as you mentioned, the amount of people that they might be training. So it can provide some intentionality. Like I think if, if I was a personal trainer for a moment, I had that many clients. Man, that's awesome. But how much of a relationship am I building with those clients and, and how much of my time is intentional with them and how, how much of it would become just time that is just like next, next, next. I think about it as in like an analogy where I used to work in a high, high fast-paced retail environment and I had customers. And in the city, you got like maybe 20 customers lining up. But as you mentioned before, talking about scaling down with a business, it's not just me that's on the counter. So I was still able to have a customer come through and I could have a conversation with them and we could have that intentional relational time, but it also um, inspired into a greater transaction as well. They would want to spend more time. They would want to, they want to spend more money and things like that as well. So I do think like intentionality is something that could be worth looking into, but then also intentionality with obviously relationships out of that because at some point in my life, I realized that I could work every day of my life. We can do that, man. We so can. But then what else are we going to do with everything else that we've been given with, you know, that our families, our, our loved ones and friends. So I know that it's it's really tough at the end of the day, man. But sometimes we have to even shift our priorities a little bit. As you're, as you're kind of talking through this, Caleb, a couple of things have come up for me, right? And, and thinking about this question and, um, you know, some other things that I can touch on aside from just the scale of the business, right? You're 100% correct. There is a balance here from a purely business perspective, quality over quantity, right? So uh, one option is to scale the business out, right? In which case you're sacrificing quality, for more quantity. And that's just the nature of scaling a business, right? You, the more clients you take on, the more people you build underneath you, there is going to be, there's going to be a drop in quality, right? It's just the nature of what happens. So that's one option. The other option is to value quality over quantity and start saying no to this extra work so that you can focus on the clients that you really want to work with, right? So that's the other option from a purely business perspective. There's also something built into this question from a mindset perspective. And it's interesting because in the first part of the question, the person asking says, I failed in a business due to a relationship breakdown. So it was almost like my relationship went south and kind of dragged the business with it. The second, the last part of the question, 
I don't want to go back to a ruined relationship, but I struggle to say no. So that tells me that this person is afraid of working too much and then destroying the relationship. So there's an internal limiting belief there as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There's a limiting belief where if I keep increasing the amount that I'm working, my relationship has to suffer and I'm afraid that the negative effect is going to be that I ruin that relationship which sounds to me like, honestly, was probably what happened in the first scenario as well. You know, even though the, the communication is the relationship failed and dragged the business with it, I suspect there was probably too much work going into the business and it dragged the relationship down. And that's a self-perpetuating limiting belief. If you believe that's going to happen, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, what we end up tending to believe is what we end up kind of seeing So I think there's, you know, uh, just to kind of circle back to, to, you know, what should you do? The first thing you need to do, the intentionality, 100%. Do you want to focus on quality or do you want to focus on quantity? If you want to focus on quality, it's about starting to say no to the extra work and focusing on the clients you've got. And that may allow you, you know what, to increase the price as well. So the financial rewards can still be there because you're offering a better service. That's the first decision. The second decision... um, that you need to make, uh, I've just lost my complete train of thought because <laughs> I'm jumping around from yeah, business no, to mindset. No, yeah, yeah. The second thing you need to be aware of, I should say, is the limiting belief around the fact that you can't have both because you can. You can have a super successful business and a super successful personal relationship at the same time and they can actually feed off each other. It's not like one you know, throws the other one out of balance. They can both lift at the yeah. same time, like a like ships sitting sitting in the ocean and the tide comes up, everything lifts. Yeah. So beware of that self-limiting belief as well. Yeah, I think it's too. And then it's being a high back into intentionality is being intentional and being honest. What does that look like as yeah. well? You know, what does that really look like if I want to have a successful business and a successful, successful relationship? Mm. What needs to change so that it looks like that? 100 yeah. percent All right, question two. Question two. What is the best advice for meeting people and making strong impressions in a work scene slash environment? When it comes to meeting people in uh, a work environment, I think that like the, it's, it almost seems a little bit too obvious, but it's uh, don't be afraid to talk, mm. you know? Talk to your colleagues, introduce yourself, um, ask questions, ask questions intentionally and intentionally listen to the answers as well. Don't just ask questions for the sake of hearing yourself talk to pretend that you're interested, like actually build relationships in the workplace. It's really that simple. (laughs) You and I just got like the very first line I was like... (laughs) I, I even look at it as like, you come in, you meet someone, have the intention of getting to know them before they get to know you. Yeah. Um, it looks like confidence when you do that. Man. Yeah. It says, I'm confident who I am. I'm not here for you to ask who I am. I'm here to get to know you. Mm-hmm. But then of course, listening as well, listening to learn, you know, asking those open-ended questions pretty much so you can learn about the other person yeah. because um, you're genuine in that. You're listening, you're learning, you're saying, you're, you're showing them that, hey, I'm teachable. You know, I don't know better, but I'm teachable. I'm listening. I'm learning. Um, I think another great thing that leaves a wonderful impression with somebody that you first meet, celebrate their wins. Start asking, being intentional, like, oh, hey, what, what happened on the weekend? Oh, yeah. Or, my, you know, they might play a sport, for example. And they're like, yeah, we won the football team, you know. And then like, oh, that's awesome. I'm not even kidding. You meet a stranger and you celebrate their wins. They're going to remember you. 
figure that, hey, that person really cared about me. So yeah, be genuine in that. I don't have anything else really to say apart from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it kind of, it almost goes without saying, but I guess by us saying it, it kind of draws attention to it. I think the other thing I'll add um, when it comes to making strong impressions in, in a workplace uh, is going over and above with the little one percenters. You know, like little things, just little things that I notice. I'm going to give you some actual examples. Little things I notice. I notice who does their dishes and who doesn't. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like straight up. And yeah. those sorts of things, yeah, obviously the work performance from, from uh, a business owner's perspective and a boss's perspective, the work performance thing definitely goes without saying. If you want to make a strong, a strong impression, do your job, do it well. Right? But the little ways that you can kind of separate yourself from other people in the workplace to kind of go, hey, you know, I'm here and make that, that extraordinary impression is often with the little one percenters, you know, who does their dishes, right? Uh, you know, who takes things out of the retail showroom at MJHQ here and make sure that they put them back. You know, who leaves their workplace nice and tidy on a Friday afternoon before they knock off for the weekend? Like, I notice those things. That leaves an impression on me. It's the little one percenters and it's the little going over and above with the little one percenters that, from my perspective, uh, can definitely help leave strong impressions. Absolutely. I think, like, even for, for people who might struggle with that, like, a really good mindset to have is to, to just acknowledge that someone's always watching. <laughs> someone's <laughs> always watching i'm not even kidding like i'm talking about the little one percent as you're talking about this this goes so much further than the workplace you can make such an impact on the world with this mm. um i just went to fill up my my tires the other day right and of course you go to grab the, the whatever we would call it to fill up your tires and someone's left it all over the place and you go and you fill it up but i went and took the time and this is not boasting in any means but i went to took the time and put it back how it should be Someone walked past and said, I like you. You're a good boy. So people are watching. And if you can live that people are always watching you, then you will leave and make an impact in anything you do. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. That's another. Yeah. <laughs> but it, man, I think about that a lot, you know, and, and for me personally, it's always with the little things. You know, like uh, this morning, for example, I was in a rush to to um, to get to MJHQ. I had an early morning meeting. I was in a rush. I'm about to walk out the door and there's dirty dishes on my sink at home, right? And I go, fuck, the way I do one thing is the way I do everything. Let me drop my shit. Let me go and tidy the kitchen before I leave. Just little things like that. I think about that a lot, Caleb. I, You know what I, I do? It comes back to, um, you know, imagine that someone's always watching. I often think about pretending that my life is like a TV show or is like a movie, right? And there's not just one person watching. There's a lot of people oh, watching. Oh, yeah, there you go. They're watching all the time. <laughs> yeah. And they're judging everything I do. And you know what? If I'm going to be, for example, on this podcast giving people practical and strategic advice on how to level up better in all different it. areas. I, I better be living it. <laughs> yep, yep. Right? Because those people watching that TV series of my life, that movie series of my life, if they see shit that doesn't align with all of this advice that I'm giving, they're going to say, you're full of shit, man. And, and look, I think of that too. It's like, but you know, we, we don't always get advice. 
we try, but sometimes we make, uh, you know, little mistakes. So that's also why we're on here to say, hey, we don't always get it right. We stuff up as well sometimes, but it's our intention to do what we talk about. You know what I mean? 100%. We got a bit off track there. Yeah. But all good. <laughs> Question three. All right. Have you ever experienced self-limiting beliefs? Yes. Not, not, uh, and not past tense, right? The question is, have you ever, as in like, have you ever in the past experienced self-limiting beliefs? Uh, I do uh, all, all the, the time. time. All yeah. the time. I actually, I journal on my um, self-limiting beliefs quite frequently and I have five. I have uh, five that are ones that keep reoccurring, right? When it comes to... Um, uh, almost kind of putting a cap on what I'm capable of and what I uh, am deserved of. Um, I'm, I'm going to read through them. I read yeah, through them. Go. I'm, I'm going to redact some bits and pieces that are a little personal to me yeah. um, because by the nature of them being self-limiting beliefs, I'm trying to work through them on a personal level. And so I just need to, I need to keep them internal. But the first one um, has to do with, uh, with running a, a super successful business. And the limiting belief goes back to where I've come from and tells me that I don't have what it takes to run a super successful business. And that, that follows me everywhere I go, man. Everywhere I go. That's my first one. The second one has to do with what I'm trying to do with balancing building a world-class business with becoming a world-class competitive athlete, right? And that limiting belief tells me that it can't be done. And it says, no, 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 no. You got you to pick one or the other. You can't do both. Can't be done. That's the second limiting belief. The third one, uh, and this actually ties into the first question that we answered in this episode, is that I can't experience success in all the different areas of my life that I'm trying to achieve success in because something has to give. And when I look at my past, something has always had to give. So that almost reinforces and says, well, remember when you did that and that happened? Well, guess what? That shit's going to happen again. That's the third one. The fourth one has to do with my age and my experience and tells me that I don't have the experience I need to be able to do what I want to do and therefore I need more time to gain more experience. And we all know how that plays out. <laughs> it's never the right time. You've never got yeah. enough experience. But that's number four. And then number five, this one's interesting. And I think that the, the long-time listeners of this podcast will find this one a little bit shocking because one of the analogies that I've brought up many times in the past in this podcast is the spinning plates analogy, right? Is that I've got, and I think we actually dove into it in an episode of Your Four. We did, we did. I remember. Someone asked specifically about the um, micro-obsession, macro-balance, which is the spinning plates analogy, right? So just to refresh real quick. So I think of the different areas of my life as plates, right? Like dinner plates. Um, fitness is one plate. Business is one plate. Personal life is another plate. Personal relationships are all different plates. And I'm like a clown in a circus and i got the sticks and I'm trying to spin the plates on the sticks. And so I get one sp plate spinning. That's my fitness. And then I get another one. That's my business. And another one, that's my personal life. And I'm trying to spin all these plates, but I can only focus on one plate at a time. 
right? And and then I need to, and that's the micro obsession. And then the macro balance is taking a step back and then focusing on the next plate and the next plate and the next plate. I've actually gotten to a point in my life where this analogy doesn't serve me anymore because I'm afraid of the plates that I'm not focused on falling and smashing to the ground. And so I'm in, or I'm in this continuous kind of balancing act of focusing on this plate. All right, no shit. Now I've got to focus on this one. Oh shit. Now that one's going to fall. I've got to jump over here and focus on that one. So I'm continuously kind of like chasing my tail a little bit to make sure that the plates don't fall because I'm afraid of plates that I'm not focused on falling, areas of my life that I'm not focused on failing is the analogy. And that has actually created a limiting belief in myself that I can't spin all the plates at the same point in time. And that analogy is actually, at this point in my life, no longer serving me. Mm, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? And so that's my fifth. Those are my five self-limiting beliefs. For me, self-limiting beliefs, I, I put it down to just a very simple disbelief. You know? How so? It's just, you just don't believe. Like for me, I look at it, either you believe or you don't believe. You, you cultivate, you create an environment where you can believe in what you can do or you don't believe. Um, that's just me personally. I do, you know, as you mentioned, you've dived quite deep into those and those would be some things that we all deal with. Age, experience. Yeah. Some people even come to me and they go, so what did you do to get onto the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And they come at me with, their disbelief. Of course, they probably come in with limiting beliefs. So, like, so did you study university? Have you done this? And I go, no. And they go, so how did you get that? What qualifies there? And I'm like, don't come at me with that disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't put your limitations on me. It's, yeah, pretty much. And you know what, Caleb? That, that, that's actually huge, right? What you've just tapped on there is huge because we all have self-limiting beliefs. Whether or not you have the awareness to acknowledge your own is uh, is up to the individual, right? And you get to a certain point in life where you start doing some deep diving into your past and into your childhood and into where you're at in your life and your personal development starts to kick off. And for a lot of people, that's where they go, oh shit, I've actually, I actually have these self-limiting beliefs. We all have them, undeniable. Some of us are at a point in our lives where we acknowledge them, we're, we're aware of them and we acknowledge them. Some of us aren't quite there just yet. If you're not quite there just yet, I encourage you to start taking some, some deep dives into yourself and seeing what your self-limiting beliefs are. With that in mind, your own self-limiting beliefs are hard enough to work through in their own right. Yes. One of the worst things you can do is go and put other people's limitations on top of your own self-limiting beliefs because then it becomes really, really hard to not just deal with yours, but then deal with other people's opinions on top of that shit as well, right? This is something that as I've gotten older and I've gotten wiser, I'm very sharp-edged about, right? If somebody comes at me with their own limiting beliefs and tries to put that shit on me, I, I do one of two things. If there's someone I care about, I call them out on it straight away. And I say, listen, like I, I know where you're coming from, right? I get it. You're doing this because you don't want to see me hurt or you don't want to see me fail or you've had your own past previous life experience and you think that's how that's going to turn out, 
right? I get it. But with all due respect, don't come at me with that shit. Because I'm trying to work through my own shit. I don't need your shit piled on top, right? Second thing I'll do is if I don't really care about you, I just won't talk to you. Because I don't need you projecting your shit on top of my own internal shit, right? So I'm, I'm very hard-edged with that now because I know how difficult it is when you have other people's limitations being projected on you on top of your own self-limiting beliefs. It's really fucking hard. Yeah, I think like when we talk about self-limiting beliefs and why I kind of categorize it as disbelief, it's because there's just so many. And I just go, well, actually, none of that's true. I'm going to go, I, I think I've spoken about that in, in podcasts before where I've gone, I'm just going to go the opposite. Yeah. Because usually what the, you know, the limiting belief is or the disbelief is the complete opposite. So if you're going, okay, no, I can't do this because I'm not old enough. I have enough experience. Go the opposite. Doesn't matter if I don't have enough experience. And I, I obviously went through my life and did a deep dive of all of those things and just thought, nope, nope, nope. Here when I wasn't smart enough, here when I wasn't quick enough, here when I wasn't fit and healthy enough, I'm Here just, when I didn't have enough experience. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, no, I just won't allow any of that. And that's what I do. But this is an important thing though, because then as I began to do that, as you mentioned, other people would start to project that onto me. And I think I think there are a lot of people now in society that have caught on to this. They're going, hold on, I don't believe that about myself. And there are a lot of people still struggling because they're still in an environment that doesn't suit them for their growth. You know, I think about it, right? Like thinking about being placed in soil, right? And if you're trying to place yourself in good soil where you can grow, but you're still surrounded by others with that level of disbelief, you're never going to be able to grow into the greater things that you have. You're never going to be able to actually bloom because you're still surrounded by others. And a lot of the problem is even with self-limiting beliefs is we tend to believe them. And when we tend to believe them as well, we then search for others who also agree. So one thing is, if first off, you need to go, okay, these are self-limiting beliefs. I'm going to go against it. But now also, I've got to be very aware of others who are uh, trying to tell me otherwise. Because we get comfortable with it. We really do. And so I've got to a point, point in my life where I'm, like, I'm no longer comfortable with it. You know what I mean? But I've gone past that now. Because now I'm around others who still have those self-limiting beliefs. But because I've been grounded, rooted in, and have grown... Now I can be around others who then I can inspire and help through my actions and exampling that because those limiting beliefs don't have a hold in them. Huge. It's huge. And, yeah. and, you know, you've really kind of already answered the flow on question from this initial question, which is, you know, once you experience and identify self-limiting beliefs, how do you work through them? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And you've, you've kind of gone there, right? The first thing, as you kind of mentioned, is you don't have to believe everything you think. Right, you don't. You, you can challenge your self-limiting beliefs. Mine, you know, uh, I don't have what it takes to run a super successful business. Well, I don't actually have to believe that, right? That that could be complete bullshit, right? The plate analogy that I went into, I've identified that that doesn't serve me anymore. So I don't have to believe that analogy to be true anymore, right? You don't have to believe everything that you think. Most of the time, it's not true, and you've touched on that in past episodes as well. Yeah, 100%. And then I think, you know, the environment thing is so important. And, you know, one of the things that that I can um, 
tell all of you with absolute clarity is the most difficult environment to get yourself out of when it comes to your self-limiting beliefs are your family and your close friends. Yeah. Um, because you care about them. Yes. Yeah. Right? So, you know, and you've got long-term relationships with them. And that's the environment where, you know, as I mentioned, I'm very hard edge with it. Listen, I know where this is coming from. I know that's coming from a good place, but I can't have you piling your limitations on top of my limitations. And even a little bit of what I've done to be able to, you know, thrive, flourish in that environment now as well, where I'm not so, because I think being hard-edged sometimes it still can be a little bit tough to my family anyways, you know, each of us are different, um, is I've surrounded myself with people who believe. Expose yourself with people who believe. So if you find that someone's out there, they're actually doing the things that you think weren't possible, oh, get in there. Get in this thriving community that believes. And as soon as you can do that, you're going to see a turnaround. 100%. Last question. Oh, last question. After your divorce, what were the things you went on to do differently to meet your current wife? Man, these are good questions. <laughs> Shit, the bed. Very uh, open and vulnerable. Yeah, I know. Episode. I know. Tell you what. Um, yeah, look, uh, I guess a bit of background um, to, to provide um, some context for where this question was coming from. Uh, yes, I, I am divorced. Um, I'm remarried now. Uh, happiest I've ever been. Yeah, so, congratulations. Uh, only good things happen for me. Um, but a little bit of background. So I have had uh, three serious long-term relationships in my life. The first one started when I was uh, just a young little teenager and had my, my high school sweetheart relationship. And, um, and we were together for 11 years um, from like, you know, 15, 16 into the mid, mid 20s in there. Uh, got engaged, uh, broke up about six months before the wedding. Um, so didn't get married. Uh, I then had my second serious long-term relationship, uh, which was the one that's referred to in this question. Um, got married. Uh, marriage didn't last very long. Got divorced. That relationship in total was less than five years, um, but let's say five years. Uh, and now I'm on to my third serious uh, long-term relationship with my wife, Amy. Uh, and we've been married just over six months now um, and, and super, super happy. So that's a little bit of context. Um, so to answer this question, the divorce was the second failed long-term serious relationship. So keeping that in mind, after I'd kind of tried the same thing twice uh, and it hadn't worked twice, I was at a point in my life with my personal life where I was like, okay, shit, maybe what I'm trying here isn't working. <laughs> well, not only is it, it's definitely not working. Maybe what I'm trying here is not what I, I need to change paths. I need to change directions. I need to do something different because I can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Um, I'm just going to meet someone else. We're going to get married. And guess what? It's not going to work. You're going to get divorced. And then I'll be on to um, wife number three and wife number four and wife number five. And if I don't make a change here, I'm, history is just going to repeat itself. So to answer the question, what did I do differently? I did three main things. The first thing was I got very, very clear about exactly what I wanted in a life partner. 
right? And it wasn't the, you know what, I want, um, she needs to be five yeah. foot eight. <laughs> she needs to be blonde with brown, green eyes. I mean, that's where I ended up marrying, but it's, it, you know, more, that, that's just the superficial stuff, right? It was, you know what, what sort of person do I want in a life partner? You know, what is it? What are they ambitious? How do they treat other people? Um, what's important to them? Very, very clear. So much to the point that I, I wrote, wrote it all down. It wasn't just thoughts in my head. It was like, I'm going to actually journal against this. These are the traits in a life partner that I want. And of course, I want it to be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want it to be lovely. Yeah. You know, but, but all of that. Yeah, of course, of course. Super, super clear. The second thing was I got very, very clear about what a lifelong relationship looked like to me and what I wanted in a lifelong relationship. So this is the person, right? This is the relationship. This is how I want us to interact. This is what I want our relationship as husband and wife to look like. Once again, super, super clear. And once again, journaled against, written down. These are the sorts of things that I want in this relationship. The third thing, once I had extreme clarity on both of those things, was I got very clear about the person I needed to become to attract that sort of life partner and that sort of lifelong relationship. And then I got to work on myself to grow and develop into that person. And as I did, I attracted Amy into my life. I attracted the relationship that we have, which is never finished. It's always and always ongoing, right? But attracted that into my life and continued to grow and develop into the person I've become today. That's my three-step process. That's what I did. Cool. Um, look, uh, before I even, because I want to get into the why behind yeah. this, um, and even talk, we've spoken vulnerably about me with my relationships as well. Yeah. So I was very similar. Uh, fresh out, like it's 18 years old, had my first uh, relationship uh, for seven years, got engaged, didn't get to the point of even setting up a wedding mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, only to maybe six months to another year down the track, go into another relationship, which then fell away. Yeah. And so that's when I knew I needed to do something to work on myself. So similar to you, but I did it instead of thinking about what I wanted in a life partner. I first went, I need to go work on myself and then did exactly the same as what you did and actually wrote down the attributes of what I wanted in a life partner. I actually wrote it down. And then when it came to it, ticked everything. I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, but and you know what, Caleb? It, 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 it sounds, you know, because I've told, I've told people in my personal life this before, right? And and often the reaction is kind of like, oh, you really did that? Like you had a list? I'm like, yeah, I fucking had a list. Like how, if I didn't know what I was looking for in a life partner in a lifelong relationship, how the fuck was I ever going to find it? But the initial reaction is, no, you can't, you can't have a list for that sort of thing. Yeah. Somehow, magically, uh, the universe is just nah. going to deliver you the perfect partner and the perfect relationship and you're not going to know it until you see it. Fucking bullshit. Yeah, dude, this is going to segue so well into why I want to talk about why. Yeah. Because you knew yourself. How could you, you know, how, if you don't know yourself, how are you going to know what you want? Yeah. But that is the importance of, I want to talk about singleness. So recently, I just got into a relationship. Congratulations. 
um, maybe a week or two before that, I actually finally learned the importance of singleness. <laughs> and was like, oh, okay. Timing. <laughs> I was all like, I was like, wow, it's actually really important to be single. And then boom, straight into a relationship. Um, singleness is actually more important than marriage. You know, be you know, everyone always thinks it's important. The main goal is to be married. But you know, we were created as a single human for a reason. We're actually created in a program of priority. You can think about that. You know, first we come. And then other things get added to us. Marriage is like a secondary item after that. So marriage is actually only going to be as good as our singleness. And so that's why I dived into all of this, realizing if I don't know who I am as a single person, why do I expect my marriage is going to be any good? Why am I do expect this relationship? I've had two failed relationships. Why would I expect the next relationship is going to be any different unless I change? And... Marriage doesn't improve your singleness, man. It exposes it. We, we, we've spoken about that. And a great example for that, dude, is if you have smelly feet <laughs> and you don't do something about it while you're single, it's not like the marriage just fixes that. It's not like you say, oh, you have to put up with my smelly feet now that you married me. No, go and, go and, go and fix that before the marriage, man. And so I had to go back and I had to be really open and honest and vulnerable and go, this is where I failed here. This is where I failed there. This is what I need to do here. So, you know, it's important to identify that it's good to be single, but never alone. So we want to improve ourselves and cultivate ourselves in the presence of others as well. Like it's not just a self journey. Like you want to be able to journey with other people on this too. You know, people who are going to build you up and encourage you to who you want to be. But you need to know who you want to be to attract the person that you want to attract. Our pursuit should be a pursuit of singleness because being single increases the value that we're going to bring to a relationship. The more single you become, the more worth you are to someone else. And that's how we should really look at it. And I know I'm really speaking from male perspective here. Um, another great analogy about marriage, it's like an egg omelet. It's only as good as the eggs that are in it. So if you were a rotten egg, if you've got something wrong, you could meet the most wonderful person that you would destroy that. And I think I, I, I'm real, I'm open, I'm honest about that because, you know, this is people. We're people. We're getting in a relationship with a person. If they were the best person in the world, I've, they've ticked everything. I want to make sure I'm not that rotten egg. I want to make sure that we slide, we live, we, we look after each other and we build each other up for, for the rest of our lives. That's marriage, man. Caleb, it's so true, man, because, you know, one of the things that that I think about quite frequently um, is, you know, I mentioned that three-step process, the clarity on the person, the clarity on the relationship, and then becoming the person I needed to be to attract the life partner and the lifelong relationship. When I think about the person I was when my marriage broke down, right, when I went through my divorce, there is no way that had the universe delivered Amy into my life at the point I was that person, I would have destroyed that relationship right from the start. Right. I, 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 man, I had such a big ego. Like I really did. You know, I was not, uh, empathetic at all. Um, I was very self-centered and self-focused and um, I was just not a very nice person, you know. I really, no, I, no. I really wasn't. I was the rotten egg, for real. So was and I. And I'm, I'm not saying that that marriage failed because I was the rotten egg. 
obviously there's a lot of different reasons there. But I'm saying at the point the marriage failed, I had a lot of fucking work to do personally to grow into the person who would attract a partner like Amy and the relationship that we have and the marriage that we have. So that I love that analogy. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> um, because it's very true, right? And, and it's very easy to fall into the trap of, you know what, I've had a long-term relationship that's just failed. You know, perhaps it was a marriage, perhaps it wasn't a marriage, just a factor relationship, whatever it is. It's very easy to go, it was all that person's fault, right? And play the victim and then be afraid of being alone. So what do you do? You go and dive straight into the next relationship, but you're still the same person, right? And if you haven't done the work on yourself and you haven't taken the time to get clarity around the person and the relationship that you want for the rest of your life, it's not going to fucking work. Not, man. And like, I guess what really helped me then with pursuing this singleness is realizing that it's important to cultivate everything you now have in front of you. I think about like as well, when I was single, I wasn't making the most of everything I had. Everything, you know, your car, you know, the time you spend at the gym, the friendships you do have in those moments. It's a matter of making the most, maximizing its potential because that's what you're going to do in a marriage then. You get a wife and now it's time for you to make the most of each other with everything you've got. You're not practicing that when you're single. It doesn't just naturally happen again when you get married. You know, if everything, think about everything that is laid before you and think, am I doing the most with that? Even I'm still challenging myself in that moment. Am I always having a tidy and clean room? Your house isn't going to be clean if you get married. You know what I mean? If you haven't started with keeping your room clean and tidy, it comes back to the one percenters again. It's just so important of, of focusing on all of those. Good answers. Fuck, I feel like I've been in a therapy session. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I mean. I get a lot out of answering these questions, you know, and and thinking through them and then talking to you about them as well. Um, That's a wrap, Caleb. That is. That's four questions. Guys, if you have enjoyed listening to this episode of Your Four, the one uh, thing that Caleb and I ask in return, uh, just a reminder, we don't, ever advertise anything on no, the show. Not at all. Um, we don't run ads to advertise this show either. The the way that we have been able to reach so many of you um, is through you guys sharing the show. Uh, so the one thing we ask in return, if you've enjoyed this episode of Your Four, if you've enjoyed Caleb and I uh, having a chat, if you've taken some valuable information, if you've had a laugh along the way, um, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show uh, person to person. Uh, one of the best ways we love it shared, love seeing it shared is uh, taking a screenshot right Right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcasting platform you're listening to, uh, taking that screenshot, posting it in your Instagram story and tagging myself and Caleb uh, in those posts and, uh, you know, just just saying that you love the show and and your your followers should listen to it as well. Absolutely. (laughs) We appreciate that. Caleb, um, man, awesome episode. Really, really good. Yeah. I'm excited for the next one already. Me too, dude. Thank you, Caleb. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.